Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Welcome back to the Your Family Dog podcast. I'm Tina Spring, and I'm joined today by my smart and pretty co-host, Julie Fudge-Smith. And today we're going to talk about habit forming and goal setting for all sorts of facets of our lives, including our lives with our dogs. And today we thought we would go back to a Wilt Chamberlain quote um, that I use constantly that is, uh, everything is habit forming. So make sure what you do is what you want to be doing. Uh, And I think in particular in my life, that has been manifest regularly lately as I am trying to age more gracefully um, and serve customers more gracefully and move through the world a little bit different way. So I I think about this quote a, a great deal. So, Julie... Do you want to speak to why you thought this was a good topic too? Sure. Well, her are usual. We were talking, we get on and we go, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? And so then we talk and eventually a topic falls out onto the table. And today we were talking about the idea of change and habits and goal setting. And we decided that that, that was something that, was pertinent not just for our personal lives uh, outside of dog training, but for dog training as well. And one of the things that we were talking about is is how much Tina really resists goal setting. So she's going to talk about that. But one of the things that, that when she was talking about that, I realized that I have set a couple of goals in my life that I have actually been able to maintain for a long period of time. And the reason for that, I, I realized, was because I allowed, well, there's an ideal goal. I also realized that I'm a pretty flawed human being and I needed to take the human factor into account. So I have two examples of it. The first one is my writing partner, Laura, and I had started writing together, I don't know, it's like seven, eight years ago or more. And we made a pledge to meet once a week. And then for a while, we were meeting twice a week. And one of the reasons why we have been able to maintain this for eight years is because we've allowed a lot of flexibility. There have been times like when I was in Princeton, we couldn't meet in person, but we Skyped or we Zoomed with one another. The other thing we did is, is we allowed for times when, for example, if I was traveling or Laura's just had a really wonky fall. And so we haven't, we actually haven't met in person for three weeks now. And that's okay because we're still committed to writing with one another. We're just allowing life to happen. And when things ease up for Laura, which will probably be after the first of the year, we once again will start meeting once a week to write, if not twice a week, if we can. And I think that that having that willingness that we are truly committed to the goal of writing with one another allows us to then be flexible when life doesn't let us do that. And I think when you're goal setting or you're you're trying to do something like that, you have to be willing to to admit to that human frailty. And the fact that things are going to get interrupted at times. But if you commit to the goal overall and see it as a long-term, at least for us, this is a long-term goal. I think you're going to be much more likely to be able to rest in it and achieve it. 
even if it's not the way you ideally envisioned it. But I did also, too, since we're talking about writing, I just wanted to do a quick update on my book, if I may. It's the it's with the developmental editor for the final edit. I hopefully will get it back after the first of the year. Do my edit, and then it will go to copy editing. And then it should still be out in the spring. Don't have a publication date yet. And we're getting close to finalizing the cover design. So as soon as we do, we'll, we'll, I will let you all see the cover as soon as we have it finished. But anyway, so that was that was one goal. And I can talk about the other one later on. But that's the one I just really kind of wanted to say that I feel like I've been very successful with because I allowed myself to be human. And that's a big, important component part, right? When I was thinking about, so the goal that I set, just I'll be, I guess I'll be accountable here on the Your Family Dog podcast too. So I signed up for a fitness challenge to do the equivalent of the effort of 2023 miles worth of uh, fitness training in 2023, right? So at first I was like, oh, that number's not so huge. Then I started breaking it down. And because Christopher made a face, which was like, there's no way you can do that. Like you will fail. Don't do this. This is a bad idea. Right. Like he kind of, and not that he was being a jerk. He wasn't, he's incredibly supportive. Um, It was that he wasn't sure that I would physically be able to do it without really hurting myself. Um, And he knows I'm stubborn. So (laughs) probably more than most. So I actually reached out to Colleen Pilar, who used to be co-host here. She was Julie's first co-host wife. And we worked through what I hoped was a healthy session of pulling apart this goal setting. Because Colleen knows that I hate goal setting with the burning fire of Hades. And I'll get really mean about it. There is like a big psychological, emotional component to it that I'm incredibly resistant to goal setting. And there's a whole bunch of childhood stuff that feeds into that. And that's okay. Like we don't have to get into that, but I'm almost 53 years old. It's time to put down childlike things, right? And to not let that get in the way of my life. So I chose this goal that's not work-related. It's not, it's all personal life kind of stuff. And so then we started pulling it apart and going, okay, how attainable is this? And So if I just do it with my workout program, probably not attainable at all because I'm going to get hurt and I'm not going to work out every single day. But as we chewed on it and pulled on it, we came up with a way that like, yes, this is attainable. Like this is doable is allowing me to be perfect. So not having an expectation that I'm going to work out 365 days in a row from January 1st of 2023 until December 31st of 2023. But instead having it in a situation where it's bite-sized and and doable and there's some humanness in there. I can get a cold. I can, I don't know, go on vacation and miss a day and it's not going to, you know, it's not all going to be ruined on January 4th when I have cake on January 3rd. Is there a reason and, why you have cake on January 3rd? I'm kind of curious. At that point, I will be 52 and 12 twelfths. Ah, Okay. So, because I was gonna say, my brother's birthday is January second. So, you know, yes. we we would have leftover cake. But anyway, that that was just an odd date. Yes, it was an odd odd date to pull out. So, in thinking about this, I will say, like working with clients, especially this last year, I've had a big shift in how we do things. I attribute it to COVID. Maybe it's not COVID. Maybe it's something else. But I, I I'm currently attributing it to COVID. That um. 
that people aren't learning the way they were learning before. And so the the methods and modalities that my company and myself and my amazing staff have used to love people and to bless them and to motivate them and to help them have been falling kind of flat. So we changed it. So what I would say is part of the goal setting for me of this this workout thing is if I'm successful, right? What would that look like? What would change if I was successful? But also if I fell short, if I failed, like let's say I only work out um, 2,000 miles instead of 2,023, how's that even gonna manifest in my life? Like my heart's gonna be stronger, my body's gonna be stronger, uh, I'm hopefully gonna look a little different, right? And I will have proven to myself that a big monstrous goal, like even if I fail, it's still pretty magical. It's still incredibly better. Right. That reminds me of a of a Chesterton quote, which is, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. And I think about it, um, I have a, a writing or a reading goal that I have too. And, and the idea there is, is I spend 15 minutes a day. I get up in the morning and I spend you know, 15 minutes doing my noom stuff. And then I do 15 minutes doing theology and 15 minutes doing dog and 15 minutes doing, you know, some other reading. And sometimes I only have five or 10 minutes, but it's still, if it's worth it to read this book, it's worth it to read as much as I can of it on that particular day. So even if I'm not doing it well, it's still worth doing. And I think that that's a really important way to look at goal setting sometimes. And that takes in that human element that if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. Which is not to say 2,000 miles is doing poorly. I would be so impressed with that. Right, right. I mean, imagine how different just my body will be if I only do 2,000 miles, right? That I allow for my humanness. Even if you only do 1,500, it's going to make a huge difference, it, right. it, which is the other goal I was going to talk about is, is my own workout goal, which I started working out with a trainer would probably be about five years ago when we were preparing to go to Machu Picchu. And I thought, I, I need to work on increasing my fitness or I'll never make it over or I will be dead woman's pass. So... <laughs> why why dead woman's pass why can't it be like dead donkey pass or sleeping woman pass but no it's dead woman pass or resting comfortably on the rocks woman's pass right I'm no taking, no I'm no just taking a break <laughs> that's right it, it might be permanent but it's a break <laughs> meditating woman you know pass but anyway <laughs> so our lady of stillness that's right. But it's not. It's Dead Woman's Pass, and it was freaking me out, man. So I started working out with my trainer. And so even when we went to Princeton for a year, I still, Kelly sent me exercises, to which I did none of. But when I came back, I reengaged with her, and I've been working out with her ever since. And it's three days a week, and I do power weight training. And I love it. But there are times when, like, Life happens and I can't make it. So either we rearrange a day or there's a week I only do two or I'm really ill this week or Kelly has COVID or whatever the case may be. It doesn't stop me working out. What it does is it just happens. It's like, oh, well, and move forward to the next day. 
And I will tell you, since I've been working out with Kelly and doing this powerlifting stuff, it's made a huge difference in my body. And this time when I've been losing weight on Noom, I can see the difference. The weight is coming off more slowly, which is fine. Although this week I did go up two pounds, so I'm really annoyed with myself for that. But that's life, right? That's an oh well moment, right? And But as I lose weight, I realize I'm leaner because I'm just stronger. And so there are benefits that are coming out that, you know, and, and this week I moved a couch out of our cottage, up the hill and into my truck by myself. There you go. There you go. So if I think about this, like in terms of Dovey, right, Christopher and I could sit down and make a list of things that we would like Dovey to learn. And there's a little bit of uh, surrender to he's learning anyway. Like whether we grab a hold of that or not, he's learning anyway. Currently he's kind of learning how to exhaust us, but you know, it life's good. So, and he's a good puppy. Like he's an enormous puppy, but he's a good puppy. So there's a little bit of, okay, what's on our list. And I don't have to be perfect at it. Right. So I'll just give you my polite leash walking for an giant doofusy Doberman, um, my current plan, which is if I don't have the time, the bandwidth, the treats, the spirit of dog trainer in me, when he goes for a walk, he wears his gentle leader. So that he's, I have power steering. He's not hurt. Like I'm not using a shock collar. I'm not using a prong collar. I'm not using any of that. I know some people think gentle leaders are aversive. Rotator cuff surgery is aversive. So I'm using a gentle leader head collar fitted correctly, right? He's conditioned to it. I use that when I don't have the bandwidth to do good hygiene about politely walking skills. He and I are still getting a walk. We're still doing stuff together. It's still a pleasurable experience for both of us. When I do have the time, the energy, the bandwidth, the string cheese, to do good, polite leash walking work, then on those days, I'll take the gel leader off, attach to his collar, and we'll do that work. But again, it's giving the space to have both. That if I just want to go for a walk and I don't want to have to be a, put my dog trainer hat on, it's totally okay. It's kind of like, I don't know, when my mom, you know, is, there were four kids in our family, so family is six, And there were days that we had breakfast for dinner, like scrambled eggs and toast and bacon, you know, or sausage. Well, I know as a mama and as a grandmother, that's kind of the, I don't want to have to think about it, default setting. We're just going to have breakfast for dinner. But we all loved it. And it was great. And it was relatively easy and relatively inexpensive. And it was a good way to just pull a dinner together fast. So I think in any of the goal setting one of the component parts that I was missing in the past was this idea of being human and having an out and having a plan for what that looks like and really forgiving myself for it and saying like, okay, well, what if I don't feel like working out that day? Well, then I can walk on the treadmill and make up that effort a different way if I've re-injured my ribs, which let's face it at this point is pretty likely to happen again. It's okay. I don't blow the whole thing because I twisted my ankle in the front yard one day, which happens like once a week. So 
<laughs> right. Um, I, I uh, twisted my ankle once in a very stupid way. And I happened to actually have my kitchen phone in my pocket at the time. And my husband was out of town and my kids were at camp or something. And I got to use the phone and call my mother-in-law and say, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. So I actually got to use that line. So that was kind of, that was, that, nice. was, that was the highlight of twisting my ankle. So I know that probably some of the listeners think that this stuff is contrived, for goodness sakes, y'all, like this is us unfiltered, right? Well, that's not true. There's a little bit of filter, but this really is how we are. Like I do twist my ankle probably, maybe not once a week, but once a month probably, right? And Julie probably did say I've fallen and I can't get up and laughed through it, right? But that's part of it. It's just part of it, right? I have a new mom, a new puppy owner. They have an 11 week old doodle puppy. And three children under 10 (laughs) at Christmas, right? She came in and I was like, in my mind, I think I actually said this in class, like there's an 85% chance that Katie will call me next week from her closet, crying, drinking box wine, like 85% chance of that happening, right? Those are pretty good odds. And she was funny because before she left, she said, I don't even really drink anymore. And I totally bought a bottle of wine today. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's hard. It's Christmas. The kids are nutso. You have everything that you have to do, right? For most of us, time has compressed into this tiny diamond of time that is impossible to wrangle. And we added, you know, a puppy. So that's fun, right? Now, I talked her through some ways to make it easier, but it also allows her to be human, right? She can also just call me and complain, and I'll listen to her complain and get her laughing and back in the game and send her back in, coach, right? Like, you're going back in. You'll be fine. But part of it was, like, the other class participant also has children, though they're a little bit older. She's a veterinarian, and she was like, yeah, this puppy stuff is hard right? This is really hard during the holidays, not the best timing. So it was this really beautiful conversation just about that humanness that just saying like, wow, this is really challenging. This, this is, this is challenging. And I just said like, Hey, listen, if you can do it through the Christmas break and holidays, like you're going to handle February, like a trooper. Right, like that's going to be easy. <laughs> well, I, I remember we got Clementine. It was in the in the fall, and then I had foot surgery, and then oh, COVID remember. hit, and I got to you know a try puppy and crutches a puppy and crutches. Yeah, but the one thing I did do is is when I got the okay from my doctor, I still went to work out. Brad would drive me over, and I would hobble around, and I could do upper body. And apparently I was very inspirational to some 80-year-old lady at the gym. But anyway, what I was going to say is that with puppy stuff, once again, I think it's it's so important to understand that puppies really are hard. This is not an easy task in any way, shape, or form. And to take a puppy under your wings any time of the year with any number of children at any time is really tough stuff. So I just want to say to those people... It's okay to put the, if you can't handle this, it's okay to put the puppy in the crate with a Kong for an hour or however long you need to do it. Or more. Or more. So that you can regroup enough to be human with yourself, your children, your husband, you know, your computer, 
your dog and your puppy is not really going as, as much as we might say that we're dying in the crate. We really aren't. And we're okay. Right. And right. you're going to be yeah. okay. And it's okay to take a break and, and just say, I can't do this. I can't do yeah, this. Yeah. And, and to be clear, like Stephanie and I both know, like while our goal is to take the week between Christmas and New Year's off, we'll totally get emergency calls. We'll totally get those people who are like, I swear we're not all going to make it out alive as we move through, you know, and we'll, and we'll talk them down off the ledge and help them. I probably should take a different week off, but that's a story for another day. That's something to contemplate later. Cause I think through the holidays while kids are home from school and, you know, aunt Mildred's visiting and everybody's on the road. I did manage to talk one couple out of taking their seven month old adolescent puppy to the grandchildren's house for Christmas. We decided that maybe that was best avoided. So instead the sweet little puppy is going to be staying with Sid happens and, and playing with his friends and doing some training because the daughter-in-law has white furniture. White. Okay. That that's, that's obviously something. I was like, yeah, not... the puppy can't go. No, the puppy the cannot puppy go. go. It's like, no. no, that's how to ruin your relationship with your sweet daughter-in-law and never see your grandchildren again. Right. So Let's leave that puppy home. Because imagine there's probably white carpeting too. If there's white furniture, there's usually white carpeting or white rugs or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's anything white in our house. If there had been, if there was, it's not white now. It wouldn't be anymore. Yeah. No. I do have a white tablecloth on the dining room table. but um, What does Clemmie think about that as she's eating the butter? the, The butter doesn't go on the dining room table. The butter goes on the kitchen table and that has a green tablecloth. And she hasn't gone after the candles. It's more like Zuzu's black hair when it gets in the air. I do have to change the tablecloth because I'm going, I don't know, there's black specks. But anyway, what I was going to say too is, is that when it comes time to goal set for like your dog, I think that people tend to say things like, they'll read books, they'll say, oh, the perfect puppy in seven days, right? Or I'm going to have house training down in three or four days. And I'm like, you know... I think you might want to give yourself a little bit more slack there, especially if you have children, because one, it's hard to pay attention to a puppy all the time when they need to go out. And you know what? You are going to make mistakes. You're going to like, I remember one time and Rebel wasn't even a puppy. Rebel was a dog we picked up on the Chancellorsville battlefield. He was in a, in a trench. So we called him our Confederate trenching setter. Anyway, he was abandoned. So we brought him home. And this is when I discovered that he had a urinary tract infection because he was asking to go out and I was getting dressed. I'm like, just a second, Rebel. I'll be right with you. Got distracted by Brad. And then he just couldn't hold it anymore. And he peed blood all over my bedroom carpet. So we went to the vet. But it was like, even by my best intentions, knowing he needed to go out and not realizing how desperate he was. This is before I was a trainer. I'm not sure I would have recognized it even now, but it's like, you're going to make mistakes. It's okay. That doesn't mean that your goal is derailed. It just means that your goal might be pushed back a little bit. Like when I started Noom this time, it was like, okay, you're going to reach your goal by November 23rd, according to the graph. It's now September, it's now January 14th. And that's fine. That's fine. It's not that I'm not going to reach the goal. It's just going to take me a little bit longer. And to accept that is a little difficult for me sometimes because I I get this, I'm going to do this. But then you take the step back and you go, it's okay. 
It takes the pressure off of me to be perfect. And when I was growing up, there was a heck of a lot of pressure to be perfect. So to be able to say, I don't have to be perfect is so liberating. Right. But I would say, even in, for me anyway, then I need to know what the answer is for management of the imperfection, if that makes sense. So if I'm thinking of it through a behavior lens, right? So for this fitness thing I'm doing, there's lots of different ways that I can work out. Going and line dancing for three hours is a workout. If you don't think that that's a workout, I encourage you to come with me line dancing for three hours. You will realize you are wrong and that you have muscles in places you didn't know you had muscles. It is a very athletic endeavor. Is it the same as me lifting a car off of a, you know, mother and her child? No, but it is a very athletic. There's a lot of balance. There's a there's a lot of coordination that has to happen. And I'm old and feeble minded. So I have to remember all the things, too. So for me, it was OK. If I can't do the workout I plan on doing, if I can't do the training I plan on doing, how am I going to change what I'm doing in those moments that I'm still moving toward the goal by not undoing what I've done? And I think that's the important piece because even if all I did was managed Dovey, his behavior and his training would happen because he wouldn't be practicing getting it wrong. Right. And that's where we did one on on management is training. That if you can't actively train, you need to actively manage. And management results, it may be a more slow development, but it will give you the results that you're looking for. Right. And, And all management really is, is not letting the errors happen. So what do I need to do to not let the errors happen? Well, confine Clementine to the basement. I don't know. No. Um, to, well, to as I sure. have said before, on the seventh day or on the eighth day, God created a crate. Yes, and you know what? We have been creating Clemmy a lot more, and and we've had you know fewer incidents. Go figure. Right. So that's the thing. Like, and and again, we're not talking about take a dog you've never met who's phobic about the crate and stuff like that and stuffing them in a crate. Like that's not what we're talking about. Every single dog in my household is crate trained. They're fluent in the skill. It's not stressful for them. Honestly, most of my dogs are like, thank goodness. Now I don't have to deal with my brothers. Like they get good stuff in their crates. It, it is their bedroom the same way that my room is my bedroom. Right. And I don't, I personally don't think my dogs view it as being locked in. I think they all view it as locking the world out kind of like me closing the bedroom door and locking the world out for a little while and saying, I just need a minute. So having a plan for what you're going to do, other than just throwing your hands up in the air and letting the wrong stuff, the stuff you don't want go on, because that also is habit forming. So if the dogs have been running to the door getting all amped up and flinging themselves at the door and everybody's yelling at one another, like that escalation over time is going to cause some pretty significant problems. And the the dog bite case I caught yesterday, the delivery guy went to hand a box to the homeowner and the dog jumped up and bit the homeowner in the arm. And it's a decent little bite. 
Um, and it's a decent sized dog, a big hound. And so in that moment, there was the realization that this has been being practiced for two years, right? The dog runs to the door, losing its marbles along with the other dog and jumping up and launching into the air. And so, you know, we have a little bit of work to do and it will begin with the dog's not allowed near the door, right? Because we just need more safety in place than that. So again, like when I was young, I ate all sorts of things that, well, I probably should have eaten more of it when I had that metabolism, but that's a story for a different day. Um, those things have have done damage and I can't continue to do that. Not if I want to meet my goal of, you know, aging more gracefully. So like um, the forever dog talks about live, 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 live like a really long time and then dead. That's my goal. So I'm I'm still on the trying to live a very long time part of the continuum. So if I remember correctly, it was healthy, happy, healthy, happy, healthy, happy, dead, as opposed go. to huh. healthy, happy, healthy, happy, long, interminable time of poor health and unhappiness, dead. Yes. So again, that, that means changing how we eat. Well, we did that like two and a half years ago. Not that we don't occasionally yesterday, basically my entire intake of food was chocolate chip cookies. Not my finest moment. Oh, I, yeah. For me, it was sesame sticks. Totally worth it. I was <laughs> I, So when I bought the box of cookies, the the checkout clerk was lovely. And she was, that's all I got was this like fresh bakery cookies. And she's like, are you going to a party? I'm like, in my car. I'm like, we've hit the point where I'm eating my feelings. She's like, I'm with you. I'm like, would you like a cookie? Right. We just laughed about it, but, but that's okay. Like I can be like, you know what, today I'm going to be a dork and I'm going to eat chocolate chip cookies. Like I'm five years old. I'm going to eat a package of chocolate chip cookies today. It's, I don't eat that every day. It's okay. It's okay. Today I'll probably have a carrot. It'll be fine. Like it'll, it'll be fine. Right. And I think it's important to allow yourself um, it's, it's, you know what it is? It's sort of like, okay, so I, I have this regimen that I do, you know, I do this reading in the morning and I, and it's followed by a workout and I do this and I do that. And every once in a while, there's this little part of me that wants to rebel. So I think it's important to allow yourself sort of safe rebellions, right? Every once in a while, yeah, I'm going to eat chocolate chip cookies for the whole day and I'm just not going to care. Or for me, it would be like, okay, today I'm not going to weigh myself and I'm not going to log my food because I just need a break. And that's going to be my radical rebellion is to, you know, not do that. Or maybe, just maybe, I have found, like, one of the things that I would, I, I have this reading regimen that I do in the morning. And I had started, I'd done it back in like 2013, 2014. And when I missed a couple of days back then, I went like, oh, I'm just, I'm, you know, that's it. I, it's done. I obviously can't do this. And I stopped. When I started up this year, I decided to have the same attitude towards it that I did towards my writing, which was, I will do this every day that I can. But if I'm not feeling well, I need to sleep in for, you know, another hour or so and the, and the reading doesn't get done. You know what? The book will still be next to my chair the day after. And I can pick it up and I can follow Chesterton's guidelines of if 
things worth doing is worth doing poorly. So maybe I'm going to be doing this poorly for a couple of days, but that's okay. I'm doing it. And I really think that allowing yourself an occasional rebellion, an occasional, I just need to take a break from this is good. And it's probably healthy because I think when you allow yourself to do something like eat chocolate chip cookies all day for one day, then it gets out of your system, right? And then it's like, yeah, I kind of don't want chocolate chip cookies today. Yeah, I can get that. I could get that. They were good. They were yummy, but I wouldn't do it again. Not today, maybe tomorrow, but not today. And that's okay to have those little points of, of I'm just going to give in for a moment to, to this as long as, but you don't want that to become habit forming either, which is why I think if you see it as an occasional a rebellion or occasional treat that I'm allowing for myself, one, it remains special. And two, that's one way to stop it from becoming a habit. Right. So if I decided, okay, I'm going to set a goal that my dog does not jump on anyone at all. And I really work on management and training when I have the bandwidth to do training, but management when I don't have the bandwidth to do training, I can boldly expect that my dog will jump on 95% fewer people, right? It will happen 95% less because I put effort into, I want the dog to keep his feet on the floor. So again, even if I only make 95% of my 2023 mile goal, my body's going to look different. My brain's going to function differently. My clothes are going to fit differently. And I will have proven to myself that I can do hard things, even if I miss the mark, because it's going to be better. And, I, and I'll and i have a strategy. I'll go, okay, well, the strategy that I had didn't work out the way I thought it would. Where did it go wrong? What do I need to accommodate? How do I need to adjust it? You know, because the number's just going to go up with 2024. And what spurred the whole thing on, and this was interesting too, was I was seeing people in October posting on some of the forums I'm on that they were really, really close to their 2022 mile mark in October. Right. Wow. That's amazing. This isn't like, because you're probably hearing this episode. Like between Christmas, I'm assuming this one's coming out between Christmas and New Year's. This is not a New Year's resolution thing for me. This was something I started thinking about in October and planning for. The challenge starts January 1, but that's just because that's the start of the year. It's not a New Year's resolution. That's not what I'm doing. I don't really do New Year's resolutions. I take it stock the day before my birthday of how I'm doing and how I'd like to be different in the next year. It's not, it's not a new year's resolution thing for me, but the challenge happens to start on January 1st. So I've also been ramping up my fitness routine to get done all of the medals that I've been working on. So I finished one the day before yesterday, I'll finish another one probably Sunday, but I'm trying to get all of the medals that I've committed to done before that January 1 start date. And I've started amping up what my fitness routine looks like slowly in preparation for what I'm going to be doing in 2023. So maybe when we get to this episode next year, I'll be like, 
yeah, so that tanked in March. I don't think so. I don't think that'll be the case, but we'll see. And if it does, then I got three good months out of it and missed my goal. And that will be a learning experience too, right? Maybe my dog will have jumped on three guests instead of every guest. That's progress. And it's progress that's, we can celebrate it. Right. I I think that one of the things we have to remember too, is that our dogs are not perfect. And that one, and the, the other thing to remember is that you don't unlearn behaviors. So what you're trying to do is teach an incompatible behavior to the one that you had. So you can't sit by my side and jump on a guest at the same time. So that's an incompatible behavior with jumping is sitting. So you might want to teach your dog to sit. And that's great. That doesn't mean that the trigger, like, for example, my grand dog, Rosie, who loves me, she just cannot, under any circumstances when she sees me, she can't sit. So I don't go through the gate and I don't pet her until she has finally contained herself enough to put her bottom on the ground. So I'm a trigger for Rosie to jump because she's so excited to see me. So what I try to do is work with Emma and not let Rosie jump on me. But it's one of those things is, is that you just need to understand that you can't completely counter condition a trigger. You can't completely counter condition a behavior because you don't unlearn the trigger and you don't unlearn the behavior. What you do is you try to offer something that's more rewarding instead. But you know, it could be that your dog has a day where it's like, I'm tired and that trigger is, is more overwhelming to me today than it was yesterday. And so I'm going right. to do it's this their, behavior. It's their chocolate chip cookie behavior day, right? It's, it's their day that they're just like, I'm just going to behave my feelings. And it doesn't mean that you failed. It doesn't no. mean that you are a bad owner or that I can't train. It just means that's what it is today. Dovey is an enthusiastic, muddy player here in Georgia at the moment, right? So I have my old winter coat, kind of the one that I would do yard work in, right? I, I literally have a pair of coveralls that I put on over my clothes I put my black Crocs on because I can hose the mud off of them. I put on my ratty old jacket that's like my yard work jacket, and I get muddy because he's a big dog and he's enjoying playing, and our backyard is like a giant mud pit at the moment. So I know I'm going to get dirty. I don't really like getting dirty. So I had to come up with a way that he can be a puppy, we can play, we can do training, and I'm not changing my clothes 19 times and I'm not mad at him because I have mud, you know, on my feet. So a bunch of this, I think is saying like, okay, when does he get to just be a giant puppy and step on me and knock his foot against me when I'm getting ready to throw the ball and whatever. The other thing I would say is like Dovi and I are going to start working on not next week, the week after, cause I'll be out of town next week. We're going to work on him going to a specific location and waiting when he wants something in the backyard because I'm, I don't enjoy getting clobbered. So he's not being mean. He's just playing, but he's putting his feet all over me and trying to tell him to, I'll use your example, telling him to sit when I have a ball in my hand, when he's right next to me and there are other dogs moving around is too big an ask. He can't, he doesn't have the neurons to process that at the moment. But if he goes to place and lays down that he can totally handle. So 
I will take that skill, move him off of me a little bit so that my needs are met of not getting clobbered and his need of like, okay, I need a little bit of space in order to do what mom's asking will also be accommodated. So I think often we're trying to work the problem too close to the problem and getting more space helps. So instead of planning a goal for 52 weeks, I plan a goal for 50 weeks. And instead of seven days a week, five days a week. So that there's a little bit of distance built in there that gives me wiggle room for the day that I go, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like doing that. Or for the time that it's more difficult for him or it is muddy and I don't want to get dirty. Right. Right. I think that those are great examples because the other thing is, is I think we've also talked about is the idea of, of loving the dog you have, not the dog you think you have or the dog that you want to have. I think part of it is if you want to set realistic goals, no matter how long you allow for the goal, you have to incorporate the fact that the dog is who the dog is. Like, for example, Zuzu, I can't freeze her Kongs because they just you ruin them. I can't do them. They're too hard, mom. So Zuzu never gets a frozen Kong because I've tried and she just, I can't do it. She just gives up on it. And that's not fair to her. Right. It's not enriching if she feels like it's awful. Yeah. I I can't do this. I can't do this. This is too hard. This is really hard, mom. Why did you do this to my Kong? And and, you you can just sort of see the panic in her face. It's like, I don't know what to do with this. This is too hard. Whereas Clementine is just a genius when it comes to, well, all kinds of things about being naughty. But, you know, she's she's got a couple of, she's also got a couple of intelligence toys that Zuzu can't do because Zuzu cannot figure out that you knock the wobbler down, okay? She just looks at it like, I think there's Cheerios in there, but I can't possibly get them out, Mom. Whereas Clementine will go over and just whack the thing like it's time mom for the wobbler but zuzu does great with like a kibble hunt in the backyard or you know a cheerio thing flung all over the patio in the backyard so i have to work with zuzu for who she is which we've started calling her the simple dog hey the the dogs that are not brilliant way easier and and she's so sweet and so kind and um right you're just like You are lovely. Yeah. Well, except for the neuroses. But yes, she is in her own way. And and so I have to be careful. Like there are sometimes it's like she, we also call her the awkward cuddler because she'll like (laughs) and take her chin and push your head and then lick your ears. It's kind of like you need to settle when we're cuddling because I can't, you know, I can't actually, I, I, I don't like being licked all the time. So you know, you have to kind of like allow that. But I think it's important to understand who your dog is and to take that step back. I think you're right. Taking that step back and going, allowing some space for who you are, for who I am, because it may work for you, but it's not working for me. I'm not going to do it. Well, and, and I, I mean, part of it too, is I'm trying not to, I don't know, more and more, I counsel people, stop telling other people what to do to manage and train your dog. Like, If you have a really fearful dog who barks at strangers coming in your house, put your dog away. Don't ask someone, in my opinion, don't ask someone to ignore a dog that's flipping out at them. People can't do that. That's not a realistic expectation. It's just kind of not. So manage your dog differently. So, for example, if I was going to change how I eat and then go to someone else's house, 
I'm going to take my food with me. I'm not going to expect them to change everything because I decided, you know, that today I only eat grapefruit or something. So some of it is, I think, just working through, well, how could we adjust it? So is it maybe the crate doesn't need to be in the living room during the holidays? Maybe it needs to be in the master bedroom so the dog has a bigger break. Or maybe we need a second crate. Or maybe there needs to be a crate in the car so the puppy isn't biting your hands every time you reach for your smoothie. Or however, like often there has to be a pretty significant and and on the face of it, a little bit uncomfortable change at the base level. Right. What we're talking about here may sound like, oh, that's so easy. You just goal set and you add some space. No, change is not easy. And the goal setting may may be easier. Obtaining the goal, working towards it in a realistic fashion, that's not easy. Accepting the fact that it's not going the way you want it to go is not easy. And implementing changes to perhaps tweak the plan so it's more effective, not necessarily easy. None of this stuff can be easy. But on the other hand, what I have found is that most of the things that in my life that had turned out to be worthwhile, and it turned out to be worthwhile goals, were ones that I committed to the goal and found a way to work through the discomfort and found a way to become comfortable eventually with the changes that I'm asking myself to make. And so what we're talking about is not necessarily a piece of cake. It can be really challenging, but life can be really good if you are willing to face the changes that need to be made. Yeah. And management can be all sorts of things, right? So it can be not taking the adolescent doofusy, slightly contrarian golden retriever puppy to the house with all the white furniture and the grandkids and all the nuttiness that is the holidays. Not this year. What I finally said to them was, if this is the first time they're meeting this puppy, let's do that like in June. Like, let's do it when we can do it outside. Let's do it when it's not muddy. Let's do it when there's not all the pressure of the holidays. Let's make this really important connection not loaded by all of the shrapnel that is the busiest time of year for most families, right? You know, it's driven by sprinkles and sugar. So, and and they totally got it. Now, that's a pretty extreme case that they decide like, hey, we're going to do some boarding and the dog's going to do a stay and play and they're going to get some training. It's going to be great. The dog's going to have a great trip and he's going to enjoy his time off playing on the farm and they can go and enjoy their holiday with their old dog who's like perfect and doesn't make anything dirty. It's awesome. Like it, it's a huge relief. And they'll enjoy their holiday more too, right? And they're not going to be have to be on top of this puppy who is lovely and responsible and a really good puppy, but not ready for white furniture. He's just not ready for that yet. Kind of like I'm not ready for bikini season. I will never never be be. ready for bikini season. I mean, I just. No one needs to see that. So. I don't need to scare small children. No. Right. So, so that's the thing. Like how much you manage can be pretty big. There's a lot of space in that. So it can be, I can tell you, it's warm enough here in Georgia that there have been family activities that I've had where I had a dog 
who was, this was many years ago, who was sensitive enough that he was going to really, really, really struggle with the holidays. His crate was in my caravan in the evening, in the car, out in the driveway, and he just got to chew on his beef cheek and chill out and not be bothered by 27 extra people in our house for Christmas Eve dinner. Like, yay. He was totally happy to do that, right? And I didn't have to say to anybody, don't open that hallway door. Like, don't open, don't go there. Don't look at him. Don't do this. Don't do, like, that doesn't work very well. At least I don't want to have to spend my life doing that. So, like, I don't generally have chocolate chip cookies in the house because that'll end badly. I also do have lots of really good things to eat that are kind of on my wellness journey those things are front loaded in into the house and into the snacks, right? So that I'm setting myself up for success. It's also management. Right, right. I do the same thing. I was at the grocery store yesterday and I made the conscious decision to buy some sesame sticks and like and know I was going to eat them. And I don't won't 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 look at a sesame stick now for probably months. But yeah, but mostly my my pantry and my refrigerator are loaded with the kinds of things that actually feed me Physically, emotionally, mentally. But every once in a while, you know, you need that little splurge. But what I was going to say is that I like the idea of of being creative about where you put the crate. As long as it's, you know, like appropriate and um, the dog is going to be, you know, happy and comfortable. At Thanksgiving, little Rosemary came to our house for Thanksgiving. It's easier to manage three dogs at my house than it is at Emma's house. For one, because my two dogs know this house. And so what I'm doing is I'm only putting in one new dog who likes to hang out with my dogs as opposed to if I go to Emma's house and take my two dogs who don't know her house, it's much more management at her house than at mine. So Rosie comes and we have an extra crate and Rosie will go into the crate when we're eating or she can spend time in the backyard with her, her, her cousins and it goes pretty well here. But I know that it will not manage as well at Emma's house so we don't take our dogs to Emma's house. They're happy to stay here and do their thing. Or if I do, I'll take just one dog with me. Like I was babysitting Rosemary, so I took Zuzu with me so the two of them could tear around the backyard together at Emma's house. So I think that that you can understand that, that you need to adjust for the situation that you have. My house is much easier to accommodate than Emma's is. So that's the way it is. And it's not a big deal to me. And sometimes we don't take, we don't take any dogs because we don't want the hassle you know, of of trying to manage our dogs at Emma's house. It's also allowing for a flexibility of where I'm at at the moment. Maybe some days management of three dogs is not a big deal to me. Other days it feels overwhelming. So I don't, so, you know, I don't do it on those days when it feels overwhelming. Instead, I come up with a plan that will hopefully be effective for everybody, for me, for the people I'm visiting, for my dogs, And that's the plan for that day. And if it works, then I file that plan away for future use. If it doesn't work, then what do we need to tweak it so that a similar plan has different elements that might work in the future? Right. So that'll be part of it, right? When I get to December 31st of 2023, if I still have 750 miles of workout I need to do, I'm going to be like, okay, well, I did a lot of things great. 
and I missed my goal by this much. So how would I, if what have I learned to set a goal that is more attainable for 2024? That's it. Like, it's not the end of the world. Let's hope. Um, <laughs> it It's just, okay, what do I learn from that? So again, kind of screwing it up a different way next time. Right. The same with looking at like our class schedules and my work schedule. Like I'm taking more seriously creating a schedule that is made for someone I like instead of me. So that means adjusting. And if this workout stuff is important to me, and it is because I want to live a long, happy, healthy life until I don't, that means I have to adjust my schedule so that it accommodates being able to do that. That's just part of it, right? Because less sleep isn't an option. So I have to figure out another way to make all of that work. And and I'm competent to do that. Like, that's fine. Like, I can do that. Um, But I need to think about it. And I need to have a plan. Okay. So I think basically the summation here is that if you want change, things aren't going to change unless you make a decision to change. Changes can be very uncomfortable, but it can also really be worthwhile to set goals that allow you to achieve your goals in a reasonable time with being human as a factor in all of this. So we hope that some of this will be helpful to you all as you head into the new year and perhaps reflect on things that you'd like to do differently and know that it's okay. For most of us, we don't have to be at I mean, like, I I know for a fact that the King of England is not coming for tea anytime soon. So my house does not have to be immaculate. and My tea cakes don't have to be perfect. So I can, you know, relax and enjoy my somewhat imperfect tea cakes. So honestly, the often the beauty is in the imperfection. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So we're hoping that you will enjoy your goal setting and we hope that you enjoy your imperfection and your dog's imperfection, that it provides color and amusement and variety in your lives. And uh, so that's my wish and for some our, laughter and some laughter. Because for goodness sakes, they're silly. They are silly. Right. So anyway, with that, we hope that, that you can start out your goal setting perhaps for the, for the next year. And let us know what they are. And what your challenges are, right? If if you've set a goal for your family or your dog and you're struggling with figuring out how to make those real, reach out. We would love to help. You might even be a guest on the episode. That's right. And feedback at yourfamilydogpodcast.com is the place to send that information. And yes, we would love to feature you on this podcast to find out how you're doing and what you're doing and what was successful and what perhaps was a challenge. And cause that would probably be very helpful for our listeners as well. So, and if, and if you know an author, a veterinarian, a, someone, a child development person, someone who you think we should have on the show, please send us information so we can reach out to that person and have them on. We learn a ton. We love having interesting people on the podcast. And we look forward to doing more of that. That's right. Okay, so thanks, and uh, we'll see you next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.